morning. It's good to see you. All right. Before we get started, how about we have a children's message? Who wants a children's message? Do we have any children in here? Oh, okay. Well, you can come down too if you insist. But I think I see two uh, children of not quite all ages. Actually, children age children. Sorry. Children age children. You want to come down for the children's message? We are some of us more than others. All right. Okay. Well, while they're coming down, how about we pray? Shall we pray? Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for everything you've done for us in our lives. None of us ever did anything to be born in this great nation, dear God, and all we can say is thank you. In the 11th hour of the 11th year, excuse me, of the 11th month, on the 11th day, the armistice was signed that ended the world, the war to end all wars. And then... Then the 20th century was torn apart by communism. And dear God, we thank you for all the young men that gave their lives and young women and just people that died resisting everything that's happened. Dear God, thank you for their sacrifice and thank you that we live how we can. In your name, Jesus, amen. Hi, how are you guys? Good, you wanna hold this again? You don't want to hold this again? Okay. Okay, cool. What, do you know what Sabbath is? Okay. The Sabbath day is one special day of the week. It starts on Friday night, and it ends on Saturday night. And it's the seventh day, and it's the day that God rested. Do you know what rest is? Rest is, do you, do you know what work is? Do you know what play is? Do you know how to have fun? Yeah. You do? Okay. Do you like to go to school? Yeah. Oh, good. But have you ever, do you like to go to school online? Kind of. But do you ever kind of get tired of going to school online? Yeah. Yeah? Like you need a break? Uh-huh. Yeah. I understand. Well, here, do you know that when my, my own children tell me that, when my own children tell me that, I let my kids not go to school and not do schoolwork online one day a month. They just get to stay home and play with their toys. What do you think to that? I want to know why. Because I believe in the Sabbath, and I think kids are overscheduled, and so I just let my kids pick one day, and they say, Daddy, they know, they go, Daddy, I need a Sabbath today. They're laying in bed. I don't want to get up. Don't dress me, Daddy. I need a Sabbath. And I say, okay. And they just stay home, all right? Uh, what's a Sabbath? The Sabbath is a day where you get to stay home and play with your toys instead of go to school. So next time you don't want to go to school, say, Grandpa, I need a Sabbath. 
Can you here try it for me? Say, Grandpa, I need a Sabbath. Grandpa, I need a Sabbath. How can you say no to that, Brother Doug? <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Brody. You can go back. Uh, the purpose for this message is for you to find your Sabbath in God. Let me tell you how a typical week in the life of Matthew Alexander Whiteford might look. Monday through Friday, I wake up. And if I'm feeling ambitious or like highly productive, I wake up when my first alarm goes off, at, you know, 5.45, and I actually eat breakfast and even make some for my kids. But more often than not, I'm tired, so I wake up, I actually get out of bed on my second alarm at 6.20, and then I throw some clothes onto my unwilling children, coerce them to put their shoes on, get dressed myself, manhandle them into their car seats, and if they didn't struggle too much, I might actually let them eat a Belvita breakfast with water in their car seats, and then I drive them to school. Now, some days after school, I help with you know, after-school activities, and so I might leave at 5.30. Other days, I'm out the door by 4.30 so I can get home to be with my family. Regardless, by the time 6 o'clock hits, it's a blur of making dinner, eating dinner, cleaning up after dinner, getting the kids to go to bed, doing some more work, then pretending to give my wife some adult attention, and then maybe toppling into bed at 10 or 11 p.m. And then, in the middle of the night, it's almost guaranteed that one of my older kids will wake up at some point and ask for water, or have a bad dream, or be too hot, or too cold, or can't find their stuffed animal, or wet the bed, and because my wife just had a baby. And somehow I feel like I should handle all this, so I do. And, but even if they don't, then there's my wife not so gently prodding me in my shoulder to roll back onto my side so that I stop snoring. Yeah, I know, I don't get sleep. And then Saturday or Sunday, honestly, Saturday and Sunday should look different, but they they kind of don't. I mean, it's a blur of grading, trying to catch up on work, playing with the kids, running errands with my family, uh, try to come up with something worth listening to on Sunday morning, and then if I'm really lucky, throw in a few church obligations on Saturday. <laughs> but okay, okay, so what's the point of all this? We're all busy. Who all's way too busy? Even with COVID, who all feels way too busy? Yeah, Vanessa's like, yeah, I'm busy. Yep. And it's impacting us, but I don't even think that we realize how much, especially to the next generation, how busy, the gener like my generation and below, like we've just had days and weeks and months of busyness kind of just thrust upon us because of technology. I mean, on top of that, my wife always has a long honeydew list, and you know, it sounds silly, but as Vanessa will tell you, if I'm not doing something, even if I've left work and I'm not in my ch or I'm not in my church office, I'm still thinking about school or I'm still thinking about my sermon. 
and I just get this uncontrollable urge to pick up my iPhone while my wife or children are talking to me and pretend to listen to them while I just try to send, fire off one more email or respond to one more thing. It'll just take a minute, guys. Even at the dinner table, while I then hypocritically don't let my kids have, you know, screens at the table. Yeah. But apparently, I'm not the only one living like this right now. Uh, for a while now, I've been seeing innumerable articles explaining about how the use of electronics before bed messes with your ability to sleep. But who, who watches YouTube or something before bed on their phone? Who, who takes their phone to bed with them like it's a little stuffed animal? No one's raising their hand? Okay, thank you for your honesty, Brother Clore. Thank you, I appreciate it. You know, I, I do it too. And then apparently workers these days are always feel like they're tied to their job through their smartphones. Because young bosses my age, they've grown up with technology, they'll have no problem firing off a text at dinner time to their coworker, you know? And there's even more articles about how the lines between work hours and time off the clock is kind of blurring. Uh, and this doesn't even count all the stories about who's ever heard of work-life balance. It's a really trendy thing to talk about. Okay? And the funny thing is this is happening in a society where some of us are having unprecedented wealth and leisure time. And so because of, I, I go through all this to say, I think Sabbath is a really important concept that we need to reintroduce to this next generation. I mean, when I was a kid growing up in Kansas... Stores were closed on Sunday. I don't mean closed at 6. No, or 5. No, I mean like you just couldn't go to the store. And then in 1986 or 88, Walmart experimented with one of their first three hypermarts to see if it would work. And a hypermart was a Walmart, if you remember back then. It was a Walmart that actually did groceries and not just Walmart stuff. And of course, the model was extremely successful, and they took over the world. But what is, but that's irrelevant. What is a Sabbath? Well, let's look at Genesis one two and see where this. Or excuse me, Genesis chapter two verse one and see where the Sabbath comes from. We'll read through verse three. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. The Sabbath is built into the fabric of creation. From the beginning of creation, God has designed periods of rest. And if you know your Bible stories, I'm not just talking about the seventh day, the day of the Sabbath. It starts on the very first day when God initiates the rhythms of night and day, light and darkness. Because apparently before electricity, people got to go home and sleep when it was dark. Uh, but more than that, uh, there's actually... In, in God's law, in the Torah, there is seasons of jubilee for workers. There are fallow fields to let the land rest. There are all sorts, rest is a big deal. And why? 
because God did this because we were made to reflect our creator in whose image we were made. And that includes having Sabbath for ourselves. What is Sabbath? When you look at the whole Bible, I really see Sabbath to be working, praying, and resting in God. Because since the fall, we have tried to rebel against or subvert our identity as creatures by ignoring the daily rhythm of life that he has established for our own good. And it, it's vanity. Please turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 22. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. Vanity, just a waste of time, a waste of airspace. Ugh, that, that, that's kind of a... I feel convicted just reading that. Let's turn, to, let's turn the page over to chapter 3, uh, verse 12. I perceived that there is nothing better for humans to do than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Well, so God created work to be a gift to me, but I think I overdo it. What is God? Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 4. Hopefully it's on the other side of the page. Then I saw that all the toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. <laughs> this also is vanity and striving after the wind. Remember when I told... Do you guys remember one of my early sermons about not knowing what we want and just looking at everybody else to figure out what we want and then copycatting them at a competition? Yeah, I, this kind of reminds me of that. But, you know, God makes it very clear uh, in chapter 5, verse 15, when he keeps talking about... this. Apparently this work thing's a Humans need to hear it. Uh, as he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. Uh, we can't take it with us. We can't. And then it's kind of funny. Uh, Ecclesiastes literally means the preacher. This is like the preacher. This is like the one sermon in the Bible, like real sermon. How does this sermon end? Let's go to verse. Let's go to chapter twelve at the very end, uh, verse thirteen. Oh, it's the second to last verse. I might just read through the end. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Man, I should like make myself read this a lot. I feel really convicted. Uh, you know, Ecclesiastes is warning us against improper, unhealthy understandings of work. One of them, it says, is to hate every minute of it and to, you know, not take pleasure in your toil, as, you know, verse, as chapter 4, verse 4 t tells us, you know. Uh, and if we hate every minute of it, we fail to see it as God's gift to man. I don't really struggle with that one. 
shame on you if you do. But I definitely struggle with, oh, sorry, I guess that was 3.13, but I definitely struggle with verse 4.4. You know, we can also become workaholics. Maybe, maybe, maybe I only work hard out of envy of my neighbor. I can see myself doing that. Can you see yourself doing that? I can. Uh, and I can definitely see myself, like in, in verse 2.23, my heart not resting during my labor. You know, and when we're doing all this, what are we doing? We are making an idol to replace God. Uh, who struggles with being a workaholic? Yeah, Jerry's like, ah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think what's scary is, even if we're, you know, workaholicking at church and doing everything at church to keep all the nuts and bolts still functioning and keeping the grounds clean, it's so easy to somehow catch ourselves making ourselves, making it an idol and somehow replacing God. And instead, the preacher in Ecclesiastes finds wisdom instead in orienting oneself to God. Because this is what man's true duty is. Wisdom is found in the worship of God. And this is a true Sabbath. This is where our vocations come in. We need to do what we are called to do. You are called to be a husband. You are called to be a wife. You are called to be grandparents. You are called to be members of this church. You know, I am called to be a father. I am called to be a teacher. And when we get all these vocations, these are good gifts from God, but we need to let them be expressions of our life in God and not idols against it. All these vocations that we're supposed to fulfill as grandma and finance committee member or deacon or elder those are meant to be servants of our life in God, not the master of our time. Work is good. The work God has called us to. Uh, please turn, and so when we get this healthy understanding of work, it really opens up the door for us to enjoy Sabbaths the way they were intended. Who's ever gone to church after a hard days of work and really enjoyed looking forward to that Sunday, but then enjoyed it the right way? Has anybody done that? John's like, no, I'm always working. <laughs> I'm always working up here at church. <laughs> you know, uh, when we get work right, when we get work right, we are then freed to enjoy prayer and rest. Please turn with me to Psalms 92. Does anybody, rem oh, do we, does anybody remember Psalms 92? Vanessa read it so nice. Oh, no, Jerry read it. Jerry did did you read Psalms 92? Yes, thank you. Uh, yes. What does it say? This is, to me, this is the expression of the Sabbath. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to his name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast, steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work, and at the works of your hands I sing for joy. Here are your works, O Lord, your thoughts are very deep. When we get work right in its proper context, where it's not an idol or a slave master or a tyrant in our own lives, we can rest in God and we take the time to appreciate his work because Jesus said his heavenly father is always working. No matter how hard we work, we're never going to outwork God. You know, and so please understand the Sabbath is more than just physical rest. It entails spiritual rest as well. And spiritual rest involves praying and genuine 
resting. It is a time to be refreshed in God, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It's a time where we remember to appreciate everything God has done. I mean, how great is he? And when we worship, singing praises and thanksgiving, and thanking him for our salvation, that's what Sunday should be all about. Because Sabbath is, because Sunday is our new Sabbath in Christ. It's our new time for prayer and rest. In the early church, Sunday was seen as the first day in creation because all things were recreated and made new on account of Christ's resurrection from the dead. So I hope that your Sundays are joyful as every Sunday should be like almost like a little Easter bringing you joy. You know, and I'm not saying that we don't need to go do our religious things. We should do our religious things. Jesus, Jesus observed the Sabbath. He prayed. He attended synagogue. And I want you to enjoy your Sundays here. But also remember that Jesus, as much as he rested on the Sabbath and as much as he worked during the week, he also prayed. And so part of your Sabbath rest is actually prayer. Do we pray extra on the Sabbath? Does anyone pray on the Sabbath? I try to pray on the Sabbath, especially before my sermons. Uh, Try to pray every day. You know, in Jesus, he was God, and he was human too, and he would attend church and do his Sabbath, I don't want to say obligations, but he would enjoy his life in the Sabbath at synagogue, but he'd also withdraw by himself and pray. That's not just physical rest. That's a spiritual rest. Whoever feels refreshed after praying to God before, like alone in your prayer closet? Yes, we need those. If our body needs physical rest because God created us as humans, our soul needs spiritual rest in him too. We need to acknowledge our limitations. We are limited beings with limited energies. You know, and if Jesus and if Jesus felt no matter what he was doing, healing the sick, casting out demons, speaking to storms, walking on water, all that stuff was great. But to him, something was more important, and that was praying with God first. So the next, so if you need a break physically or spiritually, don't feel guilty taking it. Okay? If you need to turn your phone off and just sit on your couch and do nothing, that's okay. Don't feel bad. Work should not be an idol, but sometimes we automatically think work is never an idol because rest always is. No, rest is no more of an idol than work is. And just because you're sitting on the couch doing nothing doesn't mean you're being bad or wrong, okay? Even if you're not helping your neighbors, and you could be, how could I be volunteering right now? No, you're a human being. You You can't save the world, all right? You know, it's okay to rest on the Sabbath. Now, if we get work right, and we get prayer right, and we get our rest right, what happens next? I mean, look, I know, Jesus' whole life was an act of worship, and his prayer and obedience was on behalf of us weary humans in a restless world. You know, and I understand that our, that our Christian life is an expression of devotion to our creator and that our life in the spirit should be this prayerful rhythm of work, at re- work and rest and prayer. And this will save us from you know, burnout or laziness or idleness. 
And this lets us, like the psalmist in verse 92, stand and rejoice in the works of God's creation. And we're able to to delight in God. But if all that happens, what happens next? Where'd Brody go? Oh, Brody could tell you what happens next is play. Playing with your grandkids, okay, if you have them. All right? One of the ways that we fulfill our Sabbath vocation, our call to observe the Sabbath, and in which we delight and rejoice in God's good creation and the works of his hands is through play. It's okay to play on the Sabbath. It really is. I mean, finding a place in our lives for play reminds us that it is good to just accept you're a human being. You're a mammal. Every mammal plays. If you watch the Discovery Channel, you will see that all mammals play. And part of your calling to God on the Sabbath is just to accept that, yeah, you're a creation, you're a created mammal, and you play. And God is happy when you play. Good, clean fun glorifies God, and it is a great thing for the Sabbath. You know, well, how do we apply this in our hurting world? Because I want everyone, your homework today is to go home and either do nothing or play. After you pray for a minute, of course. Yes. I mean, please, this week as you go live your life, don't let work be an idol. Don't try to be Superman. You know, except you're a creature. Don't try to be Superman, except you're a need for, your, your need for sleep. Uh, you know, when you don't rest, when you're not just sleep-deprived and cranky, you're actually rebelling against God and the mammal he created you to be. Listen, when we sleep, God is reminding us, or well, at least to the need for sleep, and when we submit to it, that the world doesn't depend on us to run. Okay, the universe is not going to fall apart if you take eight hours to shut down, to power down. We can trust God to handle that all on our own. And on a spiritual level, taking time to pray and meditate and rest in God is a way to seek God's strength and guidance so that we can fulfill the vocations as husband or father or employee and have meaningful relationships that give life to people without getting burnt out. Now, I think all of that, all of us struggle with that on some level. Uh, Lindsay Roberts once said in chapel at ORU that if, if, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll just make you busy. And I don't remember a lot of what Lindsay Roberts said, but I remember that. I've always remembered that. And as I was writing this ser- sermon, I just kept thinking about what about people that can't find rest? What about people who want a Sabbath but can't have it? Does anybody feel like that? Yeah, because I was thinking, uh, does anyone know, I'm going to say a name here, does anyone know, does anyone know who James Blake Miller is? Does that name ring a bell to anybody? James Blake Miller, okay. I'm sure you remember his picture. Oh, that's the small picture, get bigger. Does anybody remember this soldier, remember this picture back in the aughts? Does anybody remember that picture of the Marine with the cigarette in his mouth? It was on the front page of the New York Post. You don't remember that? It said smoking. Nobody remembers that? 
What? Oh, you do. Okay, thank you. Dan remembers, yes. And if you follow his life after the war, you see that his life falls apart. And, you know, there, it's a cautionary story tale about, you know, PTSD and the psychological damages he had fighting a very real war. And I'm not belittling that at all. But when I was reading that, I was just overcome by the way he was describing his life because he can't sleep, he can't function, he can't hold down a job. He can't exist in his vocation as an employee or as a worker anymore. And I was overcome with the idea that, or with, with the realization that this man has no Sabbath. This man can't rest because he was in crisis mode for so long that like when he walks into a room, his brain just goes on full autopilot tactically, like as, a, as how you need to survive in a war zone in an urban warfare climate, which is probably high stress, you're, he's analyzing the exits, the doors, the rooms, da -da 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 -da, trying to make the room secure for himself and his buddies. And when he's trying to lay in bed at night with the gun under his pillow, he keeps thinking about how the enemies would attack, or how vulnerable his house to attack is, and how vulnerable his room is to attack, even though it's just a nice, normal house with a nice, normal bedroom and a nice, normal neighborhood. But his mind is running a mile a minute, and he can't function, and he can't sleep, and he can't rest, and he can't pray, and he can't enjoy life because he has no Sabbath, because he doesn't know his God. And this altar call today is for anyone, for whatever reason, especially veterans, if, if anything, not just veterans, but especially veterans, if anything you've experienced in your life as a veteran or outside of being a veteran, just in life, has gotten in the way of you praying and resting and working and playing, please come down today so that the deacons may pray for you and we will pray for you. Because stopping to rest in God is what you need to survive as a creature. Because you're never going to be able to protect yourself enough or be safe enough or tactically secure enough or prepared enough. You know, Charlie's out, always out there getting stronger. And so we can't let anything become an idol. So if that's you today and you just need to pray that you can trust God and that the world's not going to fall apart without you, please come down.